Have you ever noticed that we're not very good at noticing? I'm not just talking about, you know, trying to find the mustard in the refrigerator, even though it's literally staring right in front of my face, and I have to call my wife in from the other room and say, where'd you put the mustard? You obviously hid it from me. And it says, no, just look, it's right there. It's, it's literally right there in front of your face. And I'm like, I know where the mustard is, and it's not there. And then she comes into the room, and it's, I mean, it, it could be sitting on my head. We, we just don't notice things. You know, I'm not talking about the things that, you know, we lost this or we don't recognize this. The, the truth is there's this moment in our lives where, I don't know if we're preoccupied, right? Isn't that what we do sometimes? We just can't notice what's happening because we've got something else going on in our minds. I've noticed that we're not very good at noticing. So here are the soldiers past couple of weeks, we've talked about all the different people that were there on the hill. We talked about the thief. And we talked about the religious leaders that were there, Pontius Pilate. Think about the soldiers. I imagine that morning that their superior officer, whether it be a centurion or whatever title they would have given that person, would have conscripted people to be part of the crucifixion duty. And I could just imagine these guys groaning because that was a long day of work. Now, That's the point of it. You remember? I mean, not only did they have to go through this gruesome task, but they had to wait a really long time because that was the point. Crucifixion was meant to be slow. I don't know if this was one of the few perks, if there could be any in this job, but they were able to take the very last possessions of this person that they were killing. So this is what John tells us. Now, the other gospel writers, right, kind of... go into some detail, but John is the one who brings these guys, who gives them a voice. They speak something, and Jesus hears it. Now, they're seeing these five basic garments. They divide it out, except there's this one piece. There's this one piece that's just really, really nice. It's woven from top to bottom. It's literally Jesus's last possession. Now, when you watch the Jesus movies, When we see the crucifixion scene, he's clothed because they can't put a naked person on the TV. When they take this final piece, woven from top to bottom, they had taken everything from him. We sang Jesus paid it all. Jesus gave it all. He has nothing left. And these soldiers have taken every last piece that he has. And they're gambling for it. They're casting lots. They're entertaining themselves at the foot of his cross with his last possession. And he hears him say, oh, this is kind of a nice piece. Let's not tear it. Let's have a little bit of fun here and and let's cast lots for it. This is what he hears. Did they not notice that as John described for us at the foot of the cross were people who loved Jesus, particularly his mother? You think they would not have noticed a mother's grief? Don't you believe that a mother's grief in this moment would be different from any of the other grief that were there? Now, the other women that were listed as part of that, they loved Jesus as well. Don't you believe that Mary would have experienced something just a little bit different? And they didn't notice. They didn't notice. I wonder if the people there noticed what Jesus what Jesus said and 
we, we heard a little bit about some of the things he says from the cross, but when John reminds us, he says that there's a reason why the soldiers are doing this. They're holding his last piece of garment, the last thing he has in this earth. And John says that this was done because it fulfills something. The other gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, just, just kind of talked about what they did. John takes a moment to step back and say there's a reason why they're doing this. Not only that he gives them voice to say something on the hill, but there's an explanation of why they're doing this. John said, if you remember from our scripture reading, this is to fulfill something. This is to fulfill the scripture. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but if you have your Bibles and you've been kind of walking along with us, not only does John say that this is a fulfillment, but it would probably have a footnote. And so whenever I see a footnote or, or something like that, it's going to reference back to the Old Testament or kind of give a little bit more explanation. I, I want to look back. And it, this is, a, this is a, a fulfillment of what we call the, the 22nd Psalm, which is a song. It's a poem. It's a song. It's a worship song that, that people would have... They would have sang. And, you know, in Jesus' day, they didn't have like, you know, 37 Bibles on the shelf like we do. They would learn scripture. They'd learn their hymns. They'd learn their poetry by saying it out loud to each other. They'd memorize it. In our house, uh, we're, we love music. So if you come to dinner at our house, what we do is instead of, you know, just kind of checking in with all the kids, we'll do a little bit of a name that tune experience. So we'll hum a song, or we'll, you know, whistle a song. And I'd just like to publicly declare once again that I am the best whistler in my family. No. I have the microphone, and I'm the best whistler of our family. <laughs> so, we, so we'll whistle, or we'll hum something, and the kids name the song. And one of the things that often happens, especially even my six-and-a-half-year-old, that will start to do it, and she's connected the tune into the words of the song. So we'll start whistling something, and she'll start singing the rest of the words. And we know this. We can probably do this whether it's with a hymn, a worship song, a popular song, that if a certain line is given, you probably know what the next line of the song will be. Now, Psalm 22, this isn't just the fulfillment of Psalm 22. This isn't even kind of the first reference to it on the hill. Jesus starts the song. He starts to whistle. He doesn't whistle, but he says it. He says it out loud. When he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That is the first line of Psalm 22. And everybody in those days would have known what the next one is. We don't necessarily have Psalm 22 memorized. You know, there's probably some portions of Scripture that you may know, or, you know, even just the next Psalm, Psalm 23, I have that memorized. You know, and I can just go. I can say all the verses for that. I'm not, as, I'm not as ready to go with Psalm 22. I don't have that one memorized yet. But people there probably would have. And I wonder if they would have made it down 16 verses. I wonder if they noticed what's happening here. He starts the song. And I wonder if they start to hum it. Or they start to remember what the next line is and what the next line is until they get to the 16th verse. And it says this. Did they notice this? Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. 
did they notice? Did they notice that Jesus was singing a song on the cross, on the hill? Did they notice? Did they remember the song? And then they get to see it played out. We talk about this fulfillment language of what's happening here. John wants us to see this connection. The gospel writer wants us to see what's happening here. He wants us to notice. Jesus, in this moment, notices something too. As much as we struggle to notice or struggle to see, even in his last moments, he sees something. He looks down and he sees his mom in her grief. And he looks down at what we call the beloved disciple, who is John, who's telling this story. And he makes this connection. He notices his mother. He says, woman, here's your son. And he notices John. He says, son, here is your mother. Take care of each other. Notice one another. And take care of one another. And from that day, John took her into his home. See, we're we're called to see. And I don't know if we preoccupy ourselves, whether with the gruesome realities of our world or the situations that we're walking through right now, but I know there's a part of us that we like to just not notice because it's easier to not notice, to not see or to live or to experience what's going on. We're called to notice. We're called to see what's happening before us because we are not an unnoticed people. We are seen, and as seen people, we must see. There's a story about a woman in the Gospel of Luke. This woman had been struggling and hurting. Let's take a look at it on the screen. She had been bleeding for 12 years. No one could help her. No one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. And Jesus said, right, who touched me? And then they all denied it. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a crowd during that day, and everyone's kind of pressing in. Peter says, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. What are you talking about? Everybody, we've got no personal space, Jesus. Everybody's pressing in on us. He says, no, 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 no. Someone touched me. I know that power has gone from me. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. The soldiers are holding his garment in his hands, in their hands. They're holding his garment in their hands, and they don't notice. They don't see. He's right there. They could touch him. And here was this woman that reached out in faith. She just knew that if she could get to him, if she could touch him, she'd be healed. Now, there's nothing powerful in Jesus' garment. It's not magical. The power is in the one who wears it. Power is revealed in faith, in a faith that reaches out, that is willing to to extend a hand and say, if I can just get to him, if I can just touch the edge of his cloak. 
That's faith. That's faith. I don't know what you have in your hands today. I don't know what you've been trying to distract yourself with or preoccupy yourself with or take a look. Maybe it's, it's not what's in your hand. Maybe it's the person that's next to you. Maybe it is someone that you need to reach out to. Maybe it is an act of faith that must be exercised that says, Jesus, heal me. Because when you notice, you can respond. You can reach. Let us pray. Today, Lord, we reach out to you as an act of faith. We reach. We know that in your life there is power. That in your love and mercy there is newness, forgiveness. So we come to you. We reach our hand out in faith that we would be seen. Because we cannot go unnoticed. We want to see, Lord, what you're doing in our world. We want to see. Help us to notice today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.